Welcome to this Law in Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the founder and CEO of Law in Sport. I'm here in the offices of Genius Sport in uh, Soho Square in London. I'm joined by uh, three special guests. Ben Patterson, the Integrity Operations Director of Genius Sports. Jake Marsh, the Head of Integrity at Perform Group. And Stephen Eberson, the Intelligence and Integrity Analyst, uh, sorry, a Intelligence, I'll edit that part, Intelligence and integrity analyst at the Football Association. Thank you guys for joining me today. Hi Sean, for us. The reason why we've, we've got together and we're right here is that um, I kindly received uh, an update from Genius Sport on this uh, groundbreaking, in, in, in quotation brackets, integrity strategy um, between Genius Sports and Perform Group and, fo- and Football Data Co. And, I was intrigued, uh, I looked through the, um, the, the, the statement, the press release that went out, and I'll let you guys explain a little bit more in detail about what it, what it is. And I thought it sounded really, really interesting. But one thing that I thought was, that was kind of difficult to get across in the press release, and when I spoke to, the, um, uh, to people about it, um, I spoke to Genius Sports, you, you, know, you guys explained a bit more about what it was about, and I thought, you know what, I think this seems to be genuinely something that's very interesting and very, very interesting and very innovative. Um, one of the f- sort of first of its kind, and therefore I thought it'd be worthy of further explanation and then getting into a bit more detail on this uh, podcast because I think you know, our audience are a global audience and they're going to you know, benefit from this. Um, so to start off with, before we get into the, the, the nature of the deals, if you can each say, starting with maybe Jake first, to say what it is that you do, what your role is, and then we can understand a little bit more as it all comes together about how this deal is going to operate. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Head of Integrity at Perform Group. Uh, we're a digital sports media and content company. Uh, we work across various areas of sport, from betting right through to broadcasting and production. Um, my role specifically is around the integrity of our fast data services, which people might know as Running Ball. Um, and I also oversee our projects with rights holders and governing bot- bodies on betting monitoring, intelligence uh, and investigation so, so you say fast data. Yes. Uh, how do you define fast data? Fast data, so that's essentially our betting data service. So the information that we provide to betting operators around the world um, on all events that are going on in a particular match. Which, which matters just for those people who aren't familiar with betting, you know, the timing of how quickly that gets out there is, is really important. Absolutely, it's all about the, um, the latency and, and the speed of the, of the data getting to the, getting to the operators, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, ben, can you talk about your role please and just explain a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Integrity Operations Director for uh, Genius Sports. I oversee all of our integrity operations. As a company, Genius Sports, a lot of synergies, some similarities with Perform. Um, a big part of what we do is via our Bet Genius brand, we provide a lot of odds data services to the betting industry, some of the largest names in that industry. Um, we also provide technical um, support, um, software, um, everything sports need to collect next generation statistics, really, which powers their own websites, drives media, fan engagement, etc. Um, and obviously, somewhere between all that sits our integrity services. So me overseeing that, we, we monitor um, the betting markets, the global betting markets for a number of the world's biggest sporting brands really, um, including the data go, which of course we talk about. We work with Major League Baseball, PGA Tour Golf, Euro League Basketball, to name but a few. We monitor the betting markets for their competitions. We're able to provide um, education services, 
um, investigation services if necessary. So, 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 in, so again, for those people not familiar with it, you see if there's a, um, some unusual activity and then from there that's when you'd flag to a sports organisation or yourselves would conduct an, in, uh, an investigation of some sort. Yeah, exactly that. So as a company we've got a whole heap of, I think, unrivaled level really of, of betting data that we've collected over the kind of 15, 16 years that we've been operating. Um, what this means is we're able to use that data, build a system, um, build in metrics, which then flag anomalies in the betting markets, changes from one level to another, bookmakers closing their markets early, um, anything really which is untoward, irregular, mm. which we then investigate. So we also employ a team of, um, I have a team of about half a dozen people here in London and the same again in, in Tallinn and Estonia, where we have a large part of our operations. Um, and we investigate the reasons for those odds movements. Um, in theory, it's when we've exhausted all feasible reasons for those odds changes that we're left with the possibility that the event is manipulated. And that's when we go into report writing mode, digging as deep as we can to provide our clients um, yeah, detailed reports to, to help them understand what's transpired. Brilliant, thank you. And Stephen, can you explain about your role? Yeah, um, I, I joined the FA uh, back in January this year. Um, I've been with the BHA for just nearly three years as uh, an integrity analyst for them. My role uh, is quite varied. Um, I deal with a lot of investigations, the running the, of the intelligence uh, system that we have um, and the analysis side of things that we do. So I deal with predominantly betting cases when it comes to investigations, uh, whether that be players betting on their own sport or, or something more sinister in corruption cases um, and deal with the analysis of uh, things like telephone billings and uh, bank records and, and the betting data that comes across from, from different companies. Um, and they provide it to us, and then I, I sift through that and, and decide and sort out what is what are breaches and what are not, depending on the playing history of the person involved or or what the case actually is uh, involved in. That's that's really interesting. So I didn't realise you were from the PHA. We may have met. I came in a few years ago. Maybe, Possibly, yeah. Maybe 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 before you joined to look at their uh, integrity system. And so particularly, and one thing that I think that you know before we get into this, but I guess it is absolutely related, is one of the things that uh, both in anti-doping and other areas of integrity, but also on the betting side, is that how people grade and evaluate evidence is mm -hmm. something that's often not discussed, which actually becomes really, really important when you try to bring a case against someone. Yes. So, yeah. so maybe you just want to explain a little bit about, about how you go about doing that. So the, the grading will depend on, on obviously, your source is one of the key instruments of it. Um, if you're receiving information straight from a betting company regarding somebody who is who is betting on the sport and they've got the evidence of that, obviously that will get the, the highest grading possible. Um, and then it will depend on the handling of the information as well, if you're receiving it straight from the, the horse's mouth, as it be, or um, through a third party or through hearsay that someone's overheard. So. It, Great intelligence can be um, be difficult sometimes, uh, depending on the on where it's coming from and and who, who how many people have touched it before it's got to you. And so, and so you used to keep it in a system, right? If I'm mm -hmm. right in thinking, you keep it in a system though. But that great income does come in useful over time, doesn't it? In, the, yes. in theory, if you start to be able to get, you see someone's name crop up and there's a bunch of evidence that's weighted. Yeah, you know, uh, well, particularly heavily against an individual, you can start to pick up certain patterns there. Yeah, as well. yeah, definitely. And obviously, we'll probably touch on this in a little bit more detail later. But um, it gives us, with the intelligence system that we have, and obviously the new partnership we're building, it may give us the chance to be a bit more proactive in the investigations rather than um, 
rather than reactive, which is what most sports have to be at the moment. Absolutely, I think yeah, I think I think most people in sport would agree that yeah. is the that is the case. It's the uh, changing nature of the commercialisation, I guess, of sport and all the issues that brings, and also an acceptance and awareness that the people actually do bet on sports, whether it's in the um, the regulated markets or unregulated markets. Um, I think there's been a lot of you know, good work in that in that space. So uh, for those that, that aren't familiar with this, Football Data Co is the official data rights holder of all the professional football leagues in England and Scotland. Um, so that means they're the ones who have got the, the, the official data as such. So how did, uh, what, just as does just the backdrop. So we've basically got two competitors or quasi-competitors in Perform and Genius Sport who are coming together to work with the FA, to work with Football Data Co, to, to, to monitor all the betting patterns, right? Um, can you just talk about how that relationship came about? That's one of the things I'm fascinated about, is because everyone talks about collaboration in the market, and it doesn't always happen. So this is, I see this as quite a positive step, So, but maybe you could talk about how that relationship got built, uh, and then what the plans are for the future, and you know how it works is gonna work in practice. I mean, I, I, can, I can probably talk about how it developed in terms of the relationship with us and Genius, and I think Stephen's obviously best place to explain why FDC decided that that was, that was the best possible route. Um, I think what you just said in terms of collaboration and you know, um, stakeholder uh, support to sports governing bodies is probably the key point. Um, at Perform, you know, we come from the viewpoint that greater collaboration is needed across the industry. Everyone preaches a good game, um, but you know, walk, walk the walk as opposed to just talking the talk sort of thing. Um, and we are quite keen to push that. Uh, we think this will be something that we see in future regarding other integrity projects. Um, companies such as ourselves, for the first time on this project, working together for the benefit for the benefit of sport, dual monitoring. Greater, greater insight to what's happening in the betting markets. We can challenge each other in, into what we see, come into more, um, more stronger conclusions for the, for the stakeholders concerned. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think FDC, you know, they've had a leading solution with Genius for the last several years. Um, and it was just an opportunity to take, take the project into a, into a new phase that has not been done before. Yeah, I mean, I would have, I would uh, totally agree with that. Obviously, from our perspective, um, we saw positives in both companies, and we wanted to try and float the idea of it. And luckily for us, both companies were open to it because, um, as, as Jake says, and I'm a complete advocate of it. In sports and betting, and, and the whole world is not collaborative enough, and we're moving, really starting to move in a positive way towards that. And this is a real giant step, I think. In as, as Jake mentioned there, the double layer of protection that we'll have on just purely on the monitoring side alone, let alone what um, intelligence and and what relationships that the companies have with mm. with other partners. So, yeah, from our perspective, it was. If from a selfish point of view, we wanted as many as we could, mm. and uh, and the fact that both companies were happy to work together was an absolute bonus for us. Uh, so that's I find that quite interesting because you know one of the challenges I know from you, from people, uh, from all the people who who you know work in similar type of organisations in this space, one of the challenges has been first of all to explain the let's call it the integrity threat, just for the broader 
broader sense to explain that to governing bodies so they should invest and do stuff and actually acknowledge there could be a problem. If there's not, just to get a handle on it, that's been the first challenge. And then so actually then saying, you know, and then what happens is the evolution's been that they get a partner. And that partner is like, look, we think we may have a problem or, you know, you know, the media in particular may be looking at this, we need to do something, let's do something. And they're just looking at, can you solve my problem right this second? And if they can, that's great. And I don't, look, I don't mean to be disingenuous to a load of other people who are doing some great stuff in the space. I was talking in the broad sense of like, you know, how, what I've seen be the, be the patterns over the years. So this seems to be the next step now, which is like, okay, we've now got these partners. Now, how can we make it better? And so for, for, for your sort of advice with, um, for other governing bodies who may be listening to this or international sports federations, would you, you know, because I just imagine you take a strong position anyway as an organisation to actually go out to one of these providers and say, actually, we think you should collaborate more. Um, I mean, that's not for us to say for other sports yeah. what they want to do. Um, but from from our perspective, the relationship. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you in a difficult yeah, no, it's position. Um, it's, <laughs> the relationship that has started so far in this way with both companies has been positive, and it's looking looking good, and it's looking like something that could potentially really be something for the future of, of sports in general. But I mean, as I say, that's completely up to. We see that as well. I mean, at Genius Sports, we worked with 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 uh, Football Data Co. with the FA. For the past three years, um, but perform heavily involved with the data rights side of the business is it's nonsensical to to exclude them from the from the conversation. Um, as a company, Genius Sports, we I mean we're committed. I think perform would be the same too. We work with betting data, we work with sports um, sports data and the sports rights arena. Match fixing is a huge threat to global sport. We all need to be working together to protect the, the future of sport. Maybe for slightly different reasons, the Football Data Code, protecting the commercial interests of the organisations. Um, we're working closely with the betting operators, but ultimately we all have the same interest in heart, and that's at heart, which is protecting the integrity of sport going forwards. Well, I said this, I was on the, I said to you guys earlier, I did a podcast, uh, probably by the time this comes out, last week, uh, with Nan Sato in Japan, and we're talking about. Uh, how the, there's been an evolution in uh, player associations negotiating with governing bodies and leagues uh, and clubs around the world in the sense that they're starting to realise actually that their interests can and should be mutually aligned. If there's you know, uh, better relationships, there's more opportunities. If, there's, if I were to talk about this in evolution of sports law, but I think the same applies in the integrity space. If you have better governance, more robust systems, it becomes a more investable product. Comes from a more robust product means that governments can invest more, means commercial uh, partners can invest more, and it creates more security and therefore a better evolution of a market. I think. I think also, um, Ben's been working in the data space a lot, lot longer than I have, but I think also it reflects, you know, the the evolution of the betting industry in many respects. You know, you've got rights holders now. Who are more aware of the value of their their, their data rights? Um, you know, they're more keen to protect it. They're more keen to commercialise it, um, and that also relates to what's going on on the pitch. Um, and I think as they've matured in that sense, they will start maturing on the monitoring, so not just monitoring, but on the integrity services in quotation marks side, side as well. Um, similar to other industries like the financial industries. Um, if you talk about betting monitoring, analysis or intelligence, do you want a single source of information? Would you rather have two? I think we all know the answer to that. Um, and I think this being the first project of its kind, there's going to be a lot of people looking at it, certainly in the fo football industry, 
Um, but as, as Ben said, you know, we've got off to a really good start. Um, and it's I think we can add different parts to the jigsaw as well. Mm -hmm. We all have different information sources, sources of intelligence that we rely on. Um, and by working together in this kind of mutual way, we, we paint a bigger picture. And, and so how does this get into it then? How, how does it actually work in practice? Because people go, okay, it's great you've got this data, but you, you know, the sceptical me would say, okay, how much sharing is really going to take place? How is it actually structured? And no doubt you've obviously identified that and dealt with it. So could you explain how that actually works in practice? We have a really close working relationship. I mean, I've known Jake for six, seven years now working in this integrity space, although we're in different companies. It's a, it's a very kind of niche area. I and mean, everyone kind of in this area knows each other pretty well. Mm. So that really kind of lends itself when we're working together. Um, we do cooperate, we're effectively, I, I believe we're kind of two parts of the same organisation when it comes to working on this integrity contract. We speak two or three times a week, our departments, um, to share information, to see that we're drawing the same conclusions. Um, if ever there is a difference of, an, of opinion, you know, we always try to take the approach that the what's in the what's in it for the for the client, what's the client's best interest in this situation. Well, in the vast majority of the cases, it's to go with the most suspicious opinion of the two and investigate that through to its to its conclusion. Um, yeah, I mean, from from our perspective, um, having obviously both the guys feeding into each other, we still get the one report, mm. which was one of the key things we wanted to make clear. We don't, I didn't want to have to sit through and and sift through two people's reports and decide which which is different. Like Mark, homework. Exactly, it, yeah. yeah. But um, obviously, the guys have been brilliant so far, and any reports we have received have been all in in one. One, one report, some larger than others, and then um, we've been able to look at it from our perspective of it. But, but I guess, I presume though, if it's something, again, you can always, whether it's provided or not, you can always ask for it, can you, can you drill down into that, and can I get both perspectives and take your own view, right? Yeah, and I, th and I think the other thing to point out to, to people listening as well, um, going back to the, the development and monitoring services industry in a way, you know, as Ben said, it's a very niche market. There's not many companies that do this. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing that attracted FTC to us working together is the fact that our systems are set up slightly differently as well. So that by nature might mean that we get different results. Um, Ben's a genius obviously work heavily um, with betting companies as we do. Um, our system we've developed with a company called TX Odds, who we work closely with on integrity. Um, and it's, we've developed, as I say, slightly, slightly differently. Um, it still works in the same way, algorithms, alerts based, um, but sometimes it might mean that there's slightly different nuance that genius might find or we might find. Um, and I think it just gives you a, an extra layer of analysis. I, I, I always think, I think you said it earlier though, this has been an evolutionary sort of period in the market, both in both, like from the betting perspective, but the technology and the, the capabilities of the people working in it. And the money basically to attract that sort of, I don't like using the word talent generally, but you know, that type of talent to, 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 the, to the market. Because I remember years ago when everyone thought that the bookmakers were wholly accurate and I was listening to a podcast, I'm trying to think who sent it to me, someone sent me this podcast and it was uh, a guy who made loads of money betting on Michael Jordan when he was in the Chicago Bulls and he worked out that they never they didn't equate for the fact that they rested him in the third quarter. So he'd always bet against the Bulls on the third quarter and he had millions of pounds. Cause they, and everyone you know, they didn't think the bookmakers had that hole. And I'm, I'm pretty confident now, given how you know sophisticated some of these criminal organisations are, and again, the type of people they've got working there, that they'll be able to work out different maybe gaps or opportunities in the various algorithms? Well, I think, I think Ben, um, you know, jumping as well, I think when it comes to monitoring systems, 
you know, this is kind of bread and butter to us lot, um, but for a lot of other people, including people at governing bodies, you know, there's, I think there could be a tendency to be blinded by science. And so we try and, especially, you know, FDC have been working in this for many years, but we, we, we try and open things up a little bit in terms of how these systems work so they can be understood, you know, they can be understood better. Um, and I think that can only be good for the, for the rights holders themselves going yeah, forward. I always say this because from our perspective as law and sport, we've educated the masses as such. Uh, you know, like we've always made our content accessible because my belief was that not only lawyers need to know what's going on with the law, everyone around them, or in a sales perspective, you say it's not only the decision makers, the influence of the decision maker, and no doubt an integrity service as well. You want everyone in the organisation to be able to be aware of what's going on and be educated around it so they can see something, someone else misses it, they can flag it up. Well, I think, I think the other thing to say as well, uh, sorry, sorry Ben, just the other thing to say, um, in, relation to, in relation to the systems themselves, you know, we've had, over the last 12 months, a few decisions at CAS in relation to mm. monitoring systems and how they're used in terms of evidence and, and what have you. Well, they're the first times that these systems have been under scrutiny at places like CAS. So I think a lot of people have been quick to say, well, that's brilliant. That, that just means for the rest of the sports betting industry future, monitoring systems, whatever they say, that means it'll be a successful case. I don't necessarily think that. I think what it's going to mean is they're going to be challenged and picked apart more and more and more. I think more. you're right. I think from, from the from the ones I've seen anyway, I think that there's as long as everyone there's going to be certain thresholds, and as long as there's that, they've met those thresholds, then it will be accepted. If not, it will be challenged. But again, it depends. This is the thing with the, the dispute resolution mechanism within sport. Anyway, it depends on who the arbitrators are and what their expertise is at the time. But I'd also argue that it's not properly been tested yet in, yeah. in CAS. Skenderbauer yeah, exactly. are, are far from the kind of ideal case study there. They are um, arguably, as far as I'm aware, one of the worst teams in world football historically for match fixing. And I say that because I know that UEFA, when they, when they took it to CAS, had over 50 reports. Mm. Yeah, well, I remember, well, I, I think we can talk about it. Like, yeah, Alex Inglot at um, you know, Carney at Sport Radar flagged up to me about this and was basically said the same thing. I don't think you'll mind me saying this on the podcast, but said the same thing, that it wasn't, yeah, they were they were an unusual case. I think yeah, they, it was, un, it was un, just, I mean, that, yes, they took it to CAS, but really they were appealing the sentence. Um, mm. They didn't dispute anything that was in the reports, um, and even then, expert witnesses were had to be brought in to testify as to the relevance of certain elements of the report. So, yes, it's a big step forward. It's not quite the all singing, all singing, all dancing solution that is perhaps made out to be. But going back to the point you made around kind of making everyone aware of the at least the methodologies that's being used around match match fixing, I mean, we've got a proven track record of, of, of helping support our clients, but we have to realise that discretion is paramount. So yes, we want to we we need better communication between the, the larger sports in the world, between the data operators, between the integrity companies, around the MOs used by the match fixers, around the betting companies so that are mean the, the methodology they're using, right, so the modus operandi. So, so this, I know, but this, yeah. this is the problem in, in sports law in general. There's no I, Latin. I, I know, there's one thing I don't know what, I, I, I'm, I'm anti-Latin from the reason that I always have to clarify to people what the hell they're talking about. Okay. I don't mind saying it, but no, just thinking the space though, in terms of, uh, it's quite important though, because I think this is one of the things both sports lawyers and other experts in sport forget is how, how much of an expert you become. So you take everything, people start to take things for granted that, you know, other people go, I'm, I'm lost still. I'm still thinking about what MOU means. Yeah, yeah no, fair enough. I mean, but you go to all these conferences, and I know Jake will say the same. 
One of the things that every, always gets brought up amongst law enforcement, the sports, we need better communication, better information sharing. And it just, it doesn't really happen. There isn't a, a kind of a mechanism in place to make that happen. And hopefully this kind of, this first step by us working together is, you know, it's a, it's a big step forward in trying to... I guess that, that in itself is just a whole nother podcast. You know, if you look at like WADA, the sharing of information, evidence has been one of the now GDPR another thing yeah. I know that's a slightly different uh, it's got a slightly different lens on it but it's one of the biggest challenges um, I remember um, even having access to certain information so I interviewed Anthony Hooper did the investigation into the IWF and he was saying just getting access to bank information as, a, as an example There's, he's got no mandate so he can say to people can you give us that information and they will say yes or no depending on the jurisdiction what they can and can't do um, well, I think it's an exciting, it sounds like a very exciting project. I think I would love to maybe catch up in six months or a year's time to see how it's yeah, been working out, if there's other things you've learned along the way, because I'm sure that you know, it's an evolutionary process and I'm sure there'll be certain things also from your perspective in terms of you know, what things you've found useful, what things have been, been less useful. But it seems that um, yeah, hopefully it will encourage other people to do the same, I think, uh, yes. I said, I'm looking from the outside, it sounds all lovely. Yeah. I think <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will know more yeah. in, I think, I think this is a long-term project. Um, I think that we need more data to be able to really drill down into the bones of what's going on. And I think the data being stored from both companies over the next few years will give us the opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to be really proactive mm. and start identifying things actually before the horse bolts. Yeah, it'd be really, it'd be, it'd be interesting to actually do an analysis of. I'm just thinking, I might say something very very stupid now, but anyway, I'm thinking on my feet here. But what would be a really interesting analysis is because you know they talk about the black market or the sort of regulated markets and the black market and the grey market, etc. In the instances that occur within your sport, where, you know, do an analysis of where it fits within each of those, and at which point. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of mirroring that takes place, so it's useful from that perspective as well. It'd be really interesting to sort of get some analysis on that, because in anti-doping, I always, I do think it's useful to compare the two. But anti-doping, we've had all these, you know, cases, like hundreds and hundreds of cases against these really sort of either ill-advised, stupid, uh, naive individuals, and then the big cases only come around when there's more intelligence and more information from non-analytical. Um, evidence that comes from yeah I mean it's all it's all about putting meat to the bones and everything and that's so that's the main one of the main things that I was looking for when I, I helped on this project was to try and get both companies together because two heads are better than one two two companies are going to have more information for us two companies are going to have two bet monitoring softwares which means that actually the data we're going to have is is bigger mm. the data the data stream and also the fact that both um, the intelligence coming from both will mean that actually we can put more to that data because as Jake mentioned and I, I'm a, I completely agree in the fact that uh, and Ben mentioned it as well is the fact that just price moves alone and, and things of that sort are never going to be relied upon when you come to, to charging people mm. or to getting cases home you need more than that and you need then the only way you're going to get more than that is by having more people coming to the party and helping with that, and that's hopefully what we're going to move into. More, more, more knowledgeable people. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sure true. if I came in and had a look at the data, it wouldn't be that helpful. Yeah. <laughs> You've already been a worst mission. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedules to come in. I really appreciate you all getting together for this. As I said, it, it's came about partly you know, to the press release that I got, which just sparked an interest. And I thought there was, there was more to this 
than, than just you know, a, a new innovative deal. I know that there's actually, from a practical perspective, perspective it's uh, really interesting. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks.